One of the aspects of my work that has changed dramatically uh, since COVID-19 is shut-in visits. They don't happen. I'm not even allowed in uh, a nursing home uh, unless somebody is is dying uh, and I can't go visit people in the hospital. And so, you know, this is a pretty significant part of what I usually do. And uh, uh, it, it stopped. Um, but before this, uh, it has happened on more than a few times that I've been visiting somebody in a, a nursing home or some kind of long-term care facility, and the person that I was visiting said, Pastor, I just feel so useless. I used to do so much at church, and I used to help in so many ways, and now I can't do anything. And I always respond that there is something very important that you can do for us at church and for me. Something very helpful. You can pray. Pray for me. Pray for the church. Pray for your fellow residents. And it's often with a note of disappointment that they, that they say, yeah, I guess I can pray. And maybe you can relate to that. I, yeah, I, I can do that little bit. It, it really seems that our default reaction to engaging with the world is to get after it with some kind of a strategy and, and to really uh, you know, use our, 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 our minds and our abilities and, and, and let's, let's go. But that we don't always take the time Pray. And prayer almost becomes like an add-on. Like it's it, it, you know, a, a courteous you know, tip of the hat to the Lord because, well, all things come from the Lord. And we all know that we're actually, you know, depending upon our smarts to get through this. But, you know, thank you, God. But, but maybe, maybe prayer is a greater gift than we thought, or at least it's a greater gift than sometimes we act like it is. Take a look at our scripture readings this morning. Did you notice what Jesus was doing in, in, in John 17? He's talking to his father. In layman's terms, do you know what we call that? Prayer. Yeah. Jesus is praying. Now, a, a little bit of context. This, this is right before he was betrayed. This is right before he was going to be tried and crucified. You know, and, and we know he knows what's coming. He, he has this all sorted out and figured out, and yet he is going to take time to pray. And not just to pray, but he's going to pray about God's glory. And even as, as Jesus Jesus knows that his path is descending into shame and suffering. He's concerned that through that process, that God, his Father, is going to be glorified in him. And make no mistake, he is talking about his death. How how can God be glorified in death? You know, as we live in this, this time of pandemic, you know, 
There's a lot of concern about death. Can God be glorified in death? Yeah. Because in Jesus' death, sin is defeated. Its power is neutered. And so he prays. He prays that his followers will not be lost. Now, he's probably specifically praying for those disciples that are gathered there with him. But by extension, this also applies to us. We are among those who have been given to Jesus by his father. And we're still living in this world. We, we, we are the ones that he is praying for there. Because a day will come when we too will face death. We will face trial, temptation, and sorrows. And we want those moments to glorify our Heavenly Father through Jesus' salvation. There are a handful of people that I'm running through my mind right now in the years that I've been here that I've walked with them as they died. And I think about their witness as they cling to the hope of Jesus' forgiveness and salvation. One, one of them is Wayne Koenig, the pastor here before I came. We, we had a little bit of time where we worked together. I remember sitting there in the ICU with him, and I asked him, you know, do you want to die in this faith that you have confessed, which you have taught and preached for all these years? And he's just this serene smile. And those of you who know him, you know what that looks like. That smile. Yes. And that kind of death, friends, it glorifies God. Because Wayne won the victory that day. And we win the victory that Christ has won in that moment. And that's exactly what Jesus was praying for. For Wayne and for you, and for me. Also, did you notice that in 1 Peter, the second reading that, uh, that Amy read for us this morning, it speaks of trials, testing, and sharing in Christ's sufferings. And as you do that, you are urged to entrust your souls to your faithful creator and cast your anxieties on him. What, what do you think you'd call that? Because I'm thinking that's still prayer. That this is an essential part of the life of the Christian faith. Prayer is not a, a side aspect of our relationship with God. Prayer is the cry of faith speaking back to our Heavenly Father. As we, we have learned to speak to Him through His Son, Jesus and by the teaching of the Holy Spirit. Prayer is an act of mutual hope. It's a, a mutual hope in God as our maker, our savior, and our comforter. In fact, in Acts, we read that, that Jesus' followers were devoting themselves to prayer with one accord. That phrase, with one accord, it translates that weird word that's up on the screen, homothumadon. I've been reading some philosophy and listening to some podcasts that explore uh, some ancient um, philosophies, particularly Stoicism. I'm a nerd. I'm 
Well, I'm not sorry. Um, but this ancient philosophy that the Greeks espoused spoke about thumos. And thumos is the will that drives a person. It's also the end of that word. Okay? And so when it says in one accord, the early Christians prayed in homothumadon, it means that they prayed with one thumos. They prayed with one driving purpose, one will, one, one driving desire. And that purpose and that will and that desire was to proclaim Jesus' resurrection. That death is defeated in Christ and everlasting life has been given to everyone who believes in Jesus. I, you know, I sometimes hear laments about the disunity of the church, all the denominations and the infighting, and these are things that are worth lamenting. But here is the heart of our unity. Here is our common will. Christ crucified, risen, and coming again. This is the unity that, that drives us to prayer that, that God would be glorified. Glorified by being the one who saves us from death, even though we will die. Glorified by being the one who forgives our sins, even as we go on sinning. Glorified by being the God who unifies his people in faith, hope, and love, even though they act like they're not unified. And he declares a different reality than the one that we see with our eyes. But it's a reality that we take hold of by faith and in prayer. Prayer is no small thing. It is a great gift that God has given to us as a united cry of faith. In a moment here, we're going to, to join our, our hearts and our wills together to pray. And we'll join together in that ancient word, maybe the oldest word that we still speak. Amen. Which is like our hearts coming together saying, yes, Lord. We are united in you and in our desire to cling to your promises. And I urge you to pray. Pray for me. Pray, pray for our staff here as we're muddling through this. Pray for one another because these times are hard and people are hurting. Pray for the mission of the church. Pray for the spread of the gospel. Pray for the opportunity to help someone know that Jesus is risen from the dead. Pray for the Spirit of God to be upon us, to lead us, to guide us. Pray about us not just about you. I, I know that when I pray, I, you know, a lot of times I get focused in on, on my needs. I pray about my family. I think God leads us to pray outward, too, to pray about us. Pray about you, too. You, you need to do that, too. But pray for the larger body of Christ. 
And when it says that the early Christians devoted themselves to prayer with one accord, it means that they clung to prayer with one will, one heart, one mind. Why? Because to cling to prayer is to cling to Jesus. It was, it was their side of, of, of their connection with Jesus after he ascended into heaven. And it's our side of how we cling to Jesus too. This is how you communicate with him. Because God speaks to you through his word. He proclaims his love, his forgiveness, his salvation for you in Christ. And he blesses you with the privilege to respond to him, to speak to him in prayer. It's a gift. It's it's a recognition that our Heavenly Father, through Jesus, wants to hear us. And in the joy of God's salvation, we overflow into words and response to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.